not disappear. He hit him high, but what else could he do? He can't disappear. In slow motion, it looks a little bit bad, but accidents happen. They do. He's done his knees, he's 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 Well, this is incredible. Now will come the magic sponge. There it is. No scissors, no tape. Bill Just Bill. a dirty old sponge and it's worked. A sponge could wipe out a pandemic. It can cure us all. Yes, welcome again to the Magic Sponge Podcast, the miracle cure for all your rugby league injury issues. My name is Brian Sini. Most of you know me as the guy behind the NRL Physio social media pages. James, my co-host, Physio, you're back again, mate. How's your week? It's been really good, Brian. Good to be back with you on a Sunday night as we usually do. I'll tell you what, the run to the top eight in the finals is getting a bit spicy and I'm absolutely frothing it. So it's really good good fun to see. Yeah, mate. I think Panthers going down makes it well, I mean the cows did lose as well, which was a bit of a bit of a downer. That would have um, you know, definitely made it a little bit more enticing. But uh yeah, a few interesting results this weekend and uh yeah, a good run into the finals. Thankfully not too many injuries, but a couple of key ones that we'll talk about tonight. Uh so look guys, as always, this is your weekly one stop shop for all things injury analysis in the NRL. We talk about the in game injuries, how they relate to things like Supercoach, performance, these kind of things, which for you guys who love fantasy, Supercoach, it's really, really relevant to help you guys get an edge. You know, you're all really good with the stats and and minutes and all that kind of thing, but we're really good with the injuries and how that's going to affect that player moving forward, how many weeks they're going to miss, those kind of things. So, look, if you're getting value out of this, if you want more, I'm putting out... Big content every week over on Patreon, summarising all the injuries, looking at, you know, Joseph Tappanay, Jerome Hughes, these kind of guys, what they're going to look like when they come back. Are they worth spending a trade on to get rid of, these kind of things. Uh, So that's every week at patreon.com slash nrlphysio. But otherwise, guys, let's get into the injuries from round 22. I don't know exactly what he's done. I would have thought it was an ankle, but I'm just guessing. He shouldn't be out for a long period of time. I'm I'm no doctor. We have to wait for the scans, obviously, but that'd be more positive than, than negative. Round 22 began on Thursday, Brian, with the Storm getting a good win over the Panthers. And, geez, I'm loving Cam Munster running the show from fullback there. He just, that's his position, isn't it, if he's going to get that long term. few to talk through here. So to start off with Brian, Liam Martin had an inversion ankle injury. Talon May was ruled out with this game with a shoulder concern, likely AC joint, I think is the, the call there. The other injuries of concern relate to Dylan Edwards with his sternum injury and also Jerome Hughes. Do you mind giving us a bit of an estimation for those fairly fairly relevant players from a, from a Panthers sort of point of view and also Jerome Hughes at the Storm there, Ron? Mate, Cameron Munster first, future Dolphins fullback Cameron Munster on $1.5 million <laughs> They need to give him $2 million a year, not even joking. <laughs> oh, mate. Seriously. Come on, whoever, Wayne, I know you listen to this pod and do yes. it, mate. Just unload. They must have $2 million on the cap with what they've bought so far. They've got to still have $2 million. Mate, they, they need to pay him illegally through pokey wins, <laughs> I reckon, to get him there. <laughs> Just get him there. <laughs> so apart from Cam Munster to the Dolphins, uh, look, Liam Martin with his ankle. Look, we speak about these all the time, those garden variety lateral ankle sprains. I'm sure plenty of people out there have had them. In the NRL, look to you know Joe Bloggs, who's, who's trying to get back to running and those kind of things. It can take a little bit longer for these NRL players. 
they strap it up, they get, you know, cortisones, anti-inflammatory injections, they needle it up, all that kind of stuff. They're back usually really quickly. So even high-grade tears, uh, like we've seen guys come back in three to four weeks in the NRL. So uh, they, they said it was looking like he hadn't completely torn the ligaments. So that gives him a chance to even return before then. So I would be surprised if he's out till finals, which is what the initial kind of talk was from the commentary and, and, and different things that, yeah, it'd have to be very worst case for that to happen. Uh, Taylor May with his shoulder. Look, the vision was a bit blocked in that. He couldn't see whether he landed on the tip of his shoulder, sort of with his arm pinned by his side, or with his arm out above his head. Uh, I'm thinking it's an AC joint injury issue with the fact he turned up in a sling uh, the the following, I think it was a few days later, in at Panthers training. So more than likely a moderate to high-grade AC joint injury. Uh, scans have cleared him of anything significant, like fractures and all that kind of stuff. It's just a bit banged up, apparently. But I would say he will miss... Uh, next week at least and then potentially the week after as well depending on how bad that damage is and then there's a few sort of concerns for performance on his return Dylan Edwards with the sternum I've spoken about Dylan before in terms of my admiration for his ability to play through ridiculous amounts of pain so usually this sternum injury you know to probably cost guys a couple of weeks uh but with Dylan uh, like this is I, I think we spoke about in in the questions segment a few weeks back about like how Penrith are going to approach sort of managing that balance between resting guys who are carrying niggles and those kind of things like in normal circumstances, I'd say they rest him for two or three weeks and let it settle down completely. But we saw from Penrith even last year, they had Brian To'o coming back from a, a syndesmosis surgery. Uh, they brought him back in like record time in five weeks to play the Tigers in like round 23 or 24, like something random, not even a big game. He came back early, was was not great for the next couple of weeks, aggravating the ankle and stuff like that. So Penrith are a bit unpredictable when it comes to sort of how they manage these guys carrying niggles and ongoing things. So look, I think the initial talk is that Edwards will be back next week and he is superhuman, so it's possible. But uh, yeah, this one definitely with the Panthers a bit tougher to predict. Jerome Hughes, it sounds like he's going to miss next week. Uh, I think Craig Bellamy's quote was, if it was up to Jerome, he'd be playing, but the medical staff are probably saying no, and, and 99 times out of 100, the medical staff's going to win that argument, especially coming into finals where if Melbourne can actually cobble together a decent team with Munster running at fullback and those kind of things, they're a red-hot chance. So I would more than likely say uh, Jerome will be out at least next week. Important considerations for the Panthers, isn't it? Because I guess you've got Cleary and Jerome Luai probably out to the finals. So you probably want to balance that as best as you can. So I think they've almost been forced to resting these guys a little bit just to injury. So they need to get healthy and hopefully they can run deep for the Panthers fans. Move on to the Warriors versus Bulldogs, Brian. No concerns out of this game. It'd be good to see the Warriors get a win back home. I think every family watches we can appreciate the time that they've had and the issues they've had to overcome. So good on them for, for getting a win there, a good win against the Bulldogs. You'll see Bunnies. Lachlan Elias was a – he was withdrawn. Was he the day before or the day of, Brian? I think he was captain's run, wasn't he? Yeah. He missed that game. What's he looking looking at sort of time-wise off the field? Yes, this is an interesting physio one for us, James, because he had this back issue that popped up, I think it was last week, uh, sort of around 21, and he had off-season back surgery as well, uh, microdiscectomy, I think, if I believe, or something like that. And then, so apparently was trying to kind of get the back a few spasms to settle down, come captain's run, 
it referred down into his hamstring and was starting to give him like hamstring pain and those kind of things to the point where like Fox reported on the night. I was only watching Fox and they were reporting it as a hamstring strain, uh, that he had a hamstring strain, but then it was kind of clarified post-match that it was more hamstring pain to do with the lower back. Now I'm sure there might be a few people listening out there who have had back pain that's referred down into their legs, had sciatic pain, those kind of things. It is quite a common thing to occur. It's not necessarily worrisome, uh, but certainly when you start to get that referred pain it probably indicates a bit of a longer like overall recovery in terms of getting those symptoms to settle completely because once you start getting referred pain you need to bring that pain back to the back and try and settle it down from there uh so there was talk that it was just resting and he might be back next week look that could be the case, but my gut sort of says that if it's starting to refer down in his hamstring, they'd probably give him a couple of weeks. And I mean, Hawkins was really, really good as well. So uh, I don't know, mate. What are your thoughts on that one from a physio perspective? Yeah, look, it's a tricky one. I'm talking about the physio stuff, which is, you know, there's people that get acute radiculopathies, for example. They're bloody painful and they can be really limiting in terms of function. So I'm not surprised he missed a week if that's the case for him. And I guess you'd want to be very, very careful with someone who's had off-season back surgery as well because avoiding that's very difficult. You know, you think about the force these guys, um, you know, exert from running and tackling and the load that they have to cover across the ground. You know, there's a lot of considerations there in terms of their abilities they need to be at to perform well. I agree with you. I thought, you know, I thought he'd actually be a very big miss for the Bunnies, but they, they played really well without him. So I guess they're, they're hot at the moment, the Rabbits, as hot as anyone's ever been. So they are very hot right now. Oof. But I guess, you know, do you, do you look at a, a week or two and just see how things go? I think that's probably the logical solution. I think so. especially with the fact he had off-season back surgery, like, you know, he's already mm. had that disc shaved away. Um, yeah, if he's getting more, and, and like, is it similar? Like, is it the same pain he was getting before? Those kind of things. I just, yeah, it, it's obviously something where if he's got that issue, it's going to be something he's going to have to ongoing manage ongoing but yeah once you're starting to get those referred symptoms and stuff like that uh yeah look i'd be surprised if they rushed him back yeah and i guess you know you've also got like black taff in the mix there as well i think cody's a week or two away with his hamstring they're getting campbell graham back probably pretty soon so i think the positive way the negatives the bunnies they seem to be getting healthier slowly as the season goes along so geez when they're on they're good though aren't they the bunnies like oh Oh, yeah. Just watch that sort of those attacking plays, and you think, my God, how do you how do you aim up for that and number up? So that'll be very very difficult. We'll move forward then, Brian. So Roosters v Cows, no concerns listed out of that game. Next, we'll talk about the Tigers v Sharks game, and I guess Civic Talakai was ruled out with a shoulder injury just before before the game um, came up, and, and maybe that was because they were playing um, the Tigers. The, the Sharks won this game in cruise control, but the only in-game injury of concern there was Tody Rudolph with a knee injury. They're suspecting MCL with him. He sort of wasn't a contact-related injury. He sort of just ended up in the splits, didn't he, with like, you know, the knee being in that position vulnerable to the MCL. What do you think in terms of grading for Toby Rudolph and then also time away from the game for Talakai perhaps? Yeah, Rudolph, I guess the interesting component there, it's one of those injuries, probably the definition of the wet weather sort of helping out a little bit. It helped and it hindered in a way because he obviously slipped and that caused him, you know, some MCL issue. But I would say if his uh, studs stick in the turf there, you're looking at real danger for an ACL injury uh, because he was kind of coming up 
planted, stopped, and then got, uh, yeah, wrong-footed, and his foot did slide. So it's, once again, it's that little bit of give in the surface potentially saved him from something more drastic there. Uh, I think a minor to moderate grading for his MCL. Apparently, he's walking around after the game with no brace on and that kind of thing. So that's always a good sign. So I think it'll be somewhere in that, you know, a minor's one to three weeks, a moderate three to six, but I'd be hoping he can get back sort of within a month at worst case. Uh, and then Talakai, that's an interesting one in that we knew he was carrying a shoulder injury sort of out of Origin 3, and then it kind of disappeared for a while. It wasn't mentioned, and the Sharks are as hard as any club to get in injury information out of. But then a, a journalist, and I was a bit filthy at him actually because he's he's a guy who I... Uh, uh, filthy in a joking way, but he, he's a guy I've had a bit to do with on Twitter and those kind of things. And when I tweeted about Talakai and not knowing the nature, he was like, oh, yeah, I spoke to him last week and he's got uh, rotator cuff, minor rotator cuff tears and cartilage damage. I was like, oh, man, that would have been gold info, you know, a week ago. That would have been fantastic. So he's obviously, you know, dealing with these issues that have popped up throughout the season. The thing I will say about that rotator cuff cartilage stuff, at this stage of the season, guys are playing through it all the time. Like, there there are guys who are playing through this stuff. I think a couple of seasons ago, you know, you had Jake Trebojevic and Adam Fanua Blake were playing through similar things for pretty much half the season. Uh, Kalen Ponga played through it a couple of, you know, and it's all stuff that you sometimes don't find out about. So Talakai came out and said if he wanted it to be 100%, he'd need to take four to six weeks off. And once again, that's probably absolutely true. Uh, but so many guys are playing at less than 100% at this point in the season that it's not something that's super worrisome for a long, uh, you know, extended time out of the game. So I've got Talakai in my team. I'm expecting him back next week or the week after, sort of after they sort of let it settle down and stuff like that. I don't think they'll give him sort of, you know, till finals off. They'll want to keep the load sort of going through him. So even though I'd say he'll need off-season reconstruction surgery more than likely, he was coming off a Rico, I think, either at the start of this season or last season so he's got a history there we're not sure if it's the same shoulder but uh yeah I'd say he'll be he'll be fit but yeah if I had if I had a trade to get rid of him I probably would but I don't because even when he comes back it's probably a little bit of concern there he is a player who loves to get into contact and you know do those kind of things and his performance has been down the last couple of weeks yeah it's a good observation about his performance there Brian I think you know compared to how hot he was from a Supercoach point of view, you know, it's been a big difference over the last few weeks and probably on off the back of Origin too. It seems like things haven't been quite at their best there. So hopefully they can get him as close to fully fit as possible for their run to the finals as well because they've got a pretty soft draw, the Sharks. So they should be pretty much locked into the top top four barring some disastrous results. So hopefully for their point, from for their team, that he's as good as can be by then. Broncos versus Knights, not too much to talk about here, Brian. Kobe Heatherton had a concussion and they're on a six-day turn, so he'll be very, very touch and go. Greco Lee had hamstring tightness, which ruled him out pre-game. And David Clem is probably going to be pegged to return in round 23 from his knee aggravation, which I think on imaging was fairly clear. So he should be back next week, I would assume. Any other updates from that point of view for the Broncos and Knights? Yeah, so the Knights are hopeful that Clemmer will be available next week uh, for those people who bought the uh, injury profiles at the start of the season that I put out. Uh, spoke, yeah, about Clemmer and his ongoing issues with his knees. So he's got cartilage, meniscus issues. Had to have a clean-up earlier this season. Missed a bit of time. Has now missed a bit of time again. This was always the concern with these ongoing knee issues is that management have to miss time. Uh, he's He's been able to avoid sort of those performances 
performance concerns. He's actually performed really, really well this season, uh, which has been good. But, yeah, just traded it in for a few weeks off here and there. But, uh, yeah, looking like he'll be he'll be right for next week. Uh, but I wouldn't be surprised if he tweaks it again that they just shut him down for the season. No concerns then for the next game, Brian. Raiders versus Dragons. So we'll move forward to Titans versus the Seagulls. Bit of a boil over there for the Titans. Actually came to play footy for the first time in seems like half a season. So good on them for getting the W. But I guess Manly for the for the rest of the year just playing for pride, hey, mate? That's all oh, they've got to play poor for. Old which Slamo, is, if he's listening. Which is, Sorry, mate. Which is sort of sweet irony. They have to play for pride now where seven of them didn't want to play because <laughs> of pride. So injuries from this. Jason Saab had a suspected ACL injury. I think from the vision you put up there, I think that's a fairly clear-cut ACL. But then also a concern from a knee point of view is Taniela Paseca. He was one that I don't think we touched on last week. Do you want to give us some detail about those two players for us? Yeah, the first thing I'll say about Saab, I didn't see the game with commentary, but a lot of people were sort of commenting on uh, was the injury when he landed or when he got kneed, uh, those kind of things. It was it was from the takeoff. So as he came to sort of prop off his left foot and take off, he, that last step, as much as it was a launch, he actually kind of was overrunning the ball. So had to plan his foot to sort of bring, like stop himself, decelerate and bring him back in that direction. And that's that, once again, that non-contact deceleration, change of direction kind of thing that you look for for an ACL injury. Uh, it, yeah, it didn't look good. You saw the shift in the lower leg that, uh, as we've spoken about before on here, I've never seen that be in a non-contact situation. I've never seen that not be an ACL unfortunately so the uh, Manly came out and said that they are suspecting an ACL injury those hands-on tests are really accurate so yeah I'd say unfortunately his season will be over I mean what are we now August that leaves us with uh seven months eight months till round one next year so he is still a good shot to be available uh to kick off the season next season but once again coming back from ACL I wouldn't expect him to light the world on fire be really interesting because Saab is obviously one of the fastest guys in the comp this is one I'll be watching with great interest around how much it affects his speed um, how long it takes him to get that full speed back uh, because you can do it um, we spoke about last week uh, you know someone like Jacob Little uh, he had the multi-ligament knee injury and came back actually faster over 40 than before he injured himself but with speed being one of Saab's like greatest assets I would say he's already training it pretty heavily so it'll be tough for him him to get that top speed back in the early stages. So I'll be interested to see how that goes. Paseca from last week, we did miss it. I went back and checked it. It looked like an MCL aggravation. Uh, Manly have said nothing. No surprise there with Dez. Uh, so, but he could be back. He played on for a while. So it's usually sort of two to four weeks for that kind of injury. Yeah, I'll be with you, Brian. Um, very horny for the Telstra tracker and the stats they'll be tracking for Jason Saab's speed next year. I'll be... I'll be right with you watching that with very, very keen interest. But that's the wrap for round 22, Brian. So we might move forward to Patreon question and answers. So as you mentioned earlier, Patreon is the best place you can access all the detail with Brian and into sort of um, injury updates and how to ameliorate future risk of injury or considerations for your fantasy team moving forward. I have the opinion that not only is it some of the best detail you'll find on any subscriber platform, I'm of the opinion that Brian has the best rig of any subscriber based oh, service you can get on the internet. So if nothing else, you can just... And that includes OnlyFans too, right? That includes... Exactly what know, I was insinuating, yeah. yes. Very true. That's why I was like, 
mate, just, just sign up for that. Five bucks a month, get around it. Patreon.com forward slash NRL Physio. Question number one, Brian, if you were given the opportunity to work with an NRL team, would you take it or would you stick working um, in private practice as you currently do? And if you take up an NRL team, which team would you want to work with? And the question is explicitly said, not the Broncos or the Dolphins, because we know that those are the two teams that we both love. What, what's your thoughts on that, Brian? What would you do in that situation if that opportunity hypothetically presented itself? Uh, mate, at the moment, definitely not. Um, especially the place that I'm at in my life, both professionally and family-wise. Uh, I've got two young kids. I am, yeah, I'm a partner in a private practice. We've got three practices that I'm a partner in. So, yeah, th- those kind of things pretty much tie you down uh, to where you are. I, I, I wouldn't have the – I get asked this question all the time, funnily enough, but it's good to sort of address it on the pod. Um, yeah, I, I couldn't <laughs> – couldn't swing weekend hours, you know, being away on the weekends, all, all that kind of stuff. Big long hours, uh, yeah, just away from the family and stuff like that. I think maybe if it sort of presented itself in my younger years when I was sort of first starting out, you'd probably consider it. But uh, look, I landed in the job that I'm in straight out of uni and loved it from the get go. Uh, I get a really good mix of working with high level athletes. I work with guys in the academies uh, for Titans, Broncos, you know, all those kind of guys, guys in the kick cup those kind of things who want to come and see me as, you know, because they like what I do and they like, you know, the, the physio that I provide. So they're people who buy into the way that I go about things, which is really cool. I had a couple of athletes go over to the Com Games recently as well. So, you know, you're still working with not all the time high-level athletes, but you're still getting exposure to that kind of stuff. And then you're still getting to deal with, you know, mums and dads who, who have severe lower back pain, you know, just a, just a bout of lower back pain. You get to get them back to living everyday life, which is really, really cool. So I fell into the job. Uh, I didn't really know where I wanted to go when I first started out. And yeah, I fell into the, into the job in private practice and I haven't looked back. I really, really love it. Um, I'm still a footy fan, which is why I started this, uh, you know, NRL physio stuff. But yeah, I wouldn't, um, I wouldn't be jumping out of, uh, of my my job as it is at the moment it's too it's really rewarding to sort of work with um you know like you obviously really enjoy getting athletes back to what they do but then in terms of getting people back their quality of life when they're in significant pain uh that's really a really really cool part about being a physio now mate this was a question that was directed at both of us so have you got an answer to that yeah, I'm in a similar vein to yourself, so it wouldn't be something that I'll be looking at now for mostly the reasons that you mentioned. I think with the with the time commitments that you have, with the travel that you have, with the balance with family. I've only got one child, obviously, compared to you, has got two, so you're getting smoked every time you come home from work. But I think the other thing that I, I sort of more and more appreciate now is there's that very high pressure and expectation to get these boys back ASAP, and that's I think that's a, that's a high-pressure environment to be in where you're really, really, really under the pump to get these guys back ASAP, even if they're not at 100%. It's just like, can we get this guy on the field? Can we get this guy on the field? And I think that would be that would be very, very challenging, I think, when you're in that environment in that situation. I, I guess I'm very different to you. I don't work with anyone who's athletic at all. So I'm in you know Queensland Health for those people who are sort of listening in and are aware of that. And I guess I'll, I'll sort of fall into that with a variety of roles. And, and I've sort of found a bit of a niche there with – you know, what I do from even like a clinical education point of view, I like the complexity that we have with the people that we see, although they're not high level athletes, they come with other complexity and other considerations from a health point of view, from a biopsychosocial point of view. And I kind of like as well the hospital system that it gives you, 
this is going to sound a bit cringeworthy, but it's kind of a bit of a soap opera. There's always something going on, or there's always some drama here or some drama there. Hey, it's just like Grey's Anatomy, that. isn't it? Like you know, yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, yeah okay, seriously. Good. Like it's it, it couldn't be any more like Grey's Anatomy if you if you tried. So I think there's there's stuff like that because I'm not someone who. Um, I guess gets over involved in in that sort of nitty gritty sort of stuff. I sort of stand back from a distance and just have a giggle about the whole situation as it unfolds. And I've, I've said to people in the past when I worked, you know, really out sort of past Brisbane there, a couple of hours west of Brisbane, I, I was probably fifty percent firefighter and fifty percent physio. There was just so much internal turmoil between people and who said what and this and that. It was just it was it's something that didn't really weigh me down emotionally. Where I know a lot of people it does have that effect. So. Yeah, I guess, you know, if the opportunity came up, it just wouldn't really work with me and my lifestyle. I'm obviously not on a Brian Sandy pay packet, but it wouldn't be for me at this point in time. <laughs> oh, mate, I don't I don't think I could take the pay cut. That's probably the, the, the well, long and short yeah. of it, isn't it? Yeah, that's right, yeah. Just, <laughs> you're in the big time up there, mate, that's for sure. We'll move to question number two. So we're talking about Herbie Farnworth and Christian Welsh. Could there be a chance of coming back this season? What do you think, Brian? What about Christian Welsh would be close, wouldn't he? And Herbie... I would have thought it would be a longer shot. What do you, what do you reckon about those yeah, two guys so, for the rest of the year? Well, actually, Herbie's now, so I think next week will be 10 weeks post-biceps uh, rupture for him. So usually a 12-week injury, the soonest we have seen is 10 weeks. We've only seen one guy come back in 10 weeks. Most have been in that 12 to 14-week range. So he's a chance theoretically for next week. Certainly not the eight weeks that Kevy sort of initially said, I think, which is, you know, we sort of spoke about on this podcast saying that was just very, very unlikely and it's proven to be the case. Uh, so he's a chance, but uh, yeah, I'd say more likely that 12 to 14 weeks, so more sort of the end of the regular season. Christian Welsh, by timeline, like it can be back from any time in terms of it's ticked past, I think the five month sort of mark for Welsh. And we have seen guys come back in that time, but interestingly, he was on triple M, I think it was last week, uh, sort of talking through, um, you know, how he's going and all that kind of stuff. He actually said he's quite doubtful to return this season purely because he's had a bit of a gradual sort of rehab process, the, the progress hasn't been, you know, lightning fast. And then they've got a lot of considerations around him having those significant knee injury histories uh, on, you know, both sides, ACLs, meniscus, that kind of thing. So he's saying that he's doubtful that he might not even return. Well, he, he's doubtful that he will be able to return this season, which is, yeah, really just disappointing because I thought, uh, yeah, I gave him all the shot in the world. And as I said, by time frames. Uh, anywhere from now, he, he could potentially return. But, yeah, unfortunately, uh, from his mouth anyway, it's looking unlikely at this stage, which is a bit of a bugger. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? I, I would have thought he would have been sort of close to as well. He strikes me as a pretty switched-on bloke with pretty good health literacy. He would have been diligent with his rehab. So, yeah, I guess you know, we might be a bit of a watch and wait for the storm where they land in the finals as such. And Achilles yeah, can be big... pretty nasty. Like, you know, they they, do, they, yeah. those rehabs can be, yeah, really, really nasty. And yeah. so these guys have come back in five months as good as it is. Uh, yeah, it's, mm. it's it's tough slog. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah, I guess for Christian Moss, bad luck. Hopefully he's fit and fine for the Monty Maroons next year as he comes oh, back most to full fitness thing. over the off-season, perhaps. The most important thing, mate, get him back there. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Above and, above and beyond all else, <laughs> back for the Maroons. How good. Last question, number three, Jackson Hastings. Is he a shot to play in the World Cup? Some articles are saying five months recovery for that ankle fracture. I, 
I don't know if I saw the exact outcome of his injury, Brian. Do you want to give us a detail of his exact injury and, and potentially a timeline around that? Yeah, mate. Uh, this is an interesting one because, like, the hysteria around that hip drop tackle, like, it went either way, right? There were people are saying it shouldn't be punished at all. Other people are saying he'll be out for four. I saw one one article say seven months. He'll be out for seven months. So, you know, Pat Carrigan deserves everything he got and blah, 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 blah. All to and just the hysteria. So it's not a five month injury. He fractured his fibula and he had a syndesmosis injury. It's more than likely around a ten to twelve week injury. Still a really nasty injury. I'm not trying to downplay the injury, but blowing the time frames out of proportion just to like I don't know, make it sound bigger than it is. Like the the issue was bad enough just as a tackle technique without the injury associated, right? You don't need to turn it into like a seven month injury just to try and, you know, make Pat Carrigan sound like the worst bloke ever. Uh yeah. So yes, to answer the question, Jackson Hastings is a real red hot chance. I was actually chatting to him last week and he said he's just talking to me about how um how he'd sort of come up post surgery. He's doing really, really well. He loves the game record. Ready, uh, so the game ready's uh, something that helps with uh, post surgical recovery and stuff like that. And he's loving, loving the use of that. He's doing well, sort of five or six days, and yeah, hopefully, uh, hopefully he'll be fit for. I didn't specifically say, you know, you're gonna play, but uh, yeah, I, like I'd say that's what he's aiming for at this stage. Yeah, hopefully he gets a shot there. I think he's been really good for the Tigers this year. He's been one of their shining lights. Mate, the Pommies will need he... all the help they can get. Yeah, absolutely. They'll. Oh, jeez. They might get dusted by every Pacifica team as well. Like, it's hard to sort of see. Well, I saw someone who, saying that Brody Croft, Brody Croft, apparently over there at the moment, is like, I saw it was a journal or someone tweeted that, yeah, he's pretty much a top five player in the Yikes. Super League at the moment, which. Mate, if Brody Croft yeah. is in the combo for Man of Steel. Yeah. Mate, Matt Dufty, I reckon Matt Dufty will surely win it in the next couple of years, you would think. Yeah. And if he oh, goes yeah. over there and, yeah, like. That'd be crazy to see, wouldn't it? But anyway, Brian, that's Patreon done and dusted for this week, so we can wrap that one up. Beautiful, mate. So, look, usually this is where we jump into Supercoach Corner, but we're going to replace that this week with our Bundy Mixer picks. So this is a cool new fantasy rugby league game. Um, I'm sure, you know, if any of you guys follow me on socials, you've seen I've posted about it a little bit. So it allows us to pick NRL and NRLW players, and James, look, as massive NRLW fans alongside the NRL. We're big supporters of the women's game. We're going to try and cover the women's injuries moving forward as well and provide analysis on that side of things too. Uh, so this is like the perfect fantasy game for us. We're big fantasy heads. Um, we're going to take everyone on. So we've got a league. Uh, if you, James, will add the link in the podcast notes. But also, if you want to just go to mixer.nrl.com, uh, and then we've got the league code, which is HFA67BGI. Uh, if you enter that, you're in our league. Uh, we'll probably you know, try and come up with a prize or something like that for the person who wins it at the end of the year, maybe a, um, a massage gun of some sort, you know, something, some G-up physio, uh, G-up physio item. But, uh, yeah, look, James, I mean, as our fantasy sports expert, I'll get you to run through it. I do think I'm going to beat you at this, though, even as our fantasy sport expert, so I'll just get that out there to start with, a bit of uh, trash talk. But, uh, look, mate, run me through the game because we're usually super coach players. This is fantasy, so it's a little bit of a different scoring system. And then give me a lineup and your players of interest for week one. 
Yeah, I'll accept the trash because I've been dusted in Supercoach this, <laughs> this year, Brian, so you've got it over me. But I will say with Bunny Mixer, I think, for one, the NRLW is, for mine, the best female sport going round. I think it's going to be great again. And anything that's in a mix in a pre-mix can that has Bundy across the front of it, I'm interested in. So this is combining two of my great loves. So I'm very excited for this. So as you mentioned, Brian, so the scoring systems as per NRL.com, so it's not per super coach. So I guess the only sort of minor takeaways there, I guess, is, is you're looking for probably those bats, base stats, heavy players, kicking meters are a bit more important. And I would say it's probably not as many huge scores from the outside back. So the way you mix your team is you've got three players from the NRL and then three players from an NRLW. So you need one player from each group that gets double points per week. So you can create your team any which way you want. There's no dual position. So if you're looking for someone in terms of selecting them, sometimes they might not have their actual position. There might be a few variations there. So you just need to be a bit mindful of that. Or secondly, use that to your advantage. There's no salary cap and you can change your team week to week. So it's not trade limited or anything like that. It's just, all right, we're starting in round 23 and I've got a round 23 team. And then the next week you can do whatever you want to that. You can keep the same people if they go ballistic or you can change it all together um i guess in terms of people i'm interested in from the nrl side of things i just think as a big generalization cam munster cam murray nico hines teddy and latrell are probably the big dogs who are big scorers across this platform as well i guess in my head sort of matchup plays i was thinking maybe stephen Crichton and matt burton in the, in the weeks to come might not might sort of get a look in my team, maybe not this week. So in terms of the, the NRLW players I'm having a very good look at to start with is Healy Davis, who's the nine at the Dragons. She was so, so, so good in State of Origin. She's good good creativity. She's a tackling machine. She's got a good short kicking game. She's a charge air merchant as well. I think she has yeah. she had two in the NRLW comp last year and one in Origin. Like she's just good in effort areas. And I thought she was nearly, I guess, Anton Agato got man of the match in that Origin game. But I thought, no, Isabel Kelly did, sorry, my apologies. So her and M. Tom Legato got a lot of the love, but I thought she was really, really good out of nine there. I thought she was a real difference maker. So I've got a mind on her. Obviously, M. Tom Legato, who we just mentioned, there's a fullback from the Dragon. She leads the run run meters, the run yards, the tackle breaks. She was dual Dally M last year with Millie Boyle. So definitely she's one at fullback I'm keeping an eye on. Isabel Kelly, as I mentioned earlier there, she's the center wing for the Roosters. Run, run meters, tackles, tackle break, offload, you name it. She's just an absolute jet. Julie Robson is a full, or sorry, winger from the Bronx, and I think she's probably a bit typical because she plays on the wing. And if you're playing sort of a wing fullback, the NRL players probably have a bigger upside at fullback. But she's just one I just think is the best winger in the comp. She was so good in Origin for the Maroons. I think she's hyper athletic. She's good through contact. She's tackle break. She's all that. So she's someone I might keep an eye on. But she's, it's hard to sort of justify her probably getting your team. The other people I'm interested in from the W comp is Shaley Bent, who plays edge for the Dragons. I think she'll probably play edge probably more so because Kezi Apps will be moving to the middle there. But she was really good in the origin for New South Wales as well. And she's sent a wing available in the mixer. She's not an edge availability player there. So I just think she might be someone who base stats reasonably high that you can plug in at centre wing there. So you might be able to make up a bit of ground that way. Runs and tackles are really high for her. She's got a bit of attacking upside in the Dragons team as well because they look pretty good on paper, the Dragons. So I think yeah. she might be one to keep an eye on. Another edge player who I'm really, really interested in is Olivia Koenig. And she's an edge player for the Roosters. She is a gun in terms of like, she to me just looks like the prototypical edge back rower. She's got a touch footy background, netball background. She's got every, every, every skill in the book there. Long stride, speed, tackle break ability. She looks really good as well. So... I guess in terms of the way I thought about my team construction, I sort of went about it as in 
probably because the NRL play bigger minutes, it kind of leads me towards Cam Murray in the middle. In terms of the kicking meters component as well, probably leans me into an NRL player in the half. So I'd rather probably take my chances on the NRLW players at edge, centre wing and hooker, which is the way I sort of thought about it because I don't think that's an area where the point discrepancies will be quite as big. So I've started off with my team, Brian. I've gone Keely Davis, who's the hooker from the Dragons at the hooker position. I just think she's an absolute jet. And I think she was someone that was really, really, really underrated at origin level. Cam Murray gets to start in the middle for me. He plays Penrith in round 23, but he's matchup proof. Olivia Koenig gets the edge position for me for the Roosters. As I said before, I think she's just someone who... The ceiling for her is just unbelievable. So she's she's in my team for at least the first week. I picked Cam Munster in the halves, even though they're playing the Broncos. He he kicks enough, plays the best footy at fullback. I just think that's a no-brainer with the form that he's in at present. Shelly Bent is one I picked at centre wing. So she's obviously the edge for the Dragons there. Otherwise, I'll see her team list line up there. Otherwise, that'll be Isabel Kelly because she's, you know, the female leader from a fantasy football points perspective at centre wing. And then James Tedesco at fullback gets the Tigers in round 23. You know, what else do you need to say about that? He's just going <laughs> to score a million points, so, in my opinion. I, I don't think you need to overthink it. In terms of your team, Brian, how did you sort of think about mixing the team together with three players from each comp? Yeah, mate, I think the the key thing there that you've mentioned is that 70 minutes, uh, you know, for the NRLW versus 80 minutes, you know, that bigger, those bigger minutes uh, that, that the NRL guys seem to get and how that kind of, I guess, works out. For Hooker, I think the Cows up against the Warriors next week is the big one that I'm eyeing off. And Robson and Cotter has had a couple of weeks back from that hammy. So they're both putting up big numbers and they've, like, attacking stats there so it's pretty much a coin flip for me at the moment on those two I have got Robson at the moment just because I think he could lay on a couple of tries and, and those kind of things but it could end up being caught later in the week for mid uh Samaya Taufa uh look Eels captain she averaged 59 last year in in fantasy so that's huge I, I haven't checked every NRLW player but I'd go close to say that was the highest average for last year for uh, NRLW players so look I want Murray there he's averaging like 80 plus the last couple of weeks but I'm just trying to minimize that gap and the fact that Taufer possibly has the highest NRLW fantasy average I just couldn't go past that for the moment uh, edge yeah Olivia Koenig is a big one for me. I pretty much had her locked in, but then Keely Joseph also has a real, like she is a bit of a gun. Um, she averaged mid forties last year, similar to Koenig. So I'm tossing up between those two. I think I will end up going Koenig half. Look, mate, I agree with you on Munster, but after what Manly put up tonight, I am very, very interested in Nico Hines. I almost, I had Munster locked and then like Manly were just horrid. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. so I'm like, I'm thinking Nico might light it up. So I've switched Munster out for Nico, but that's another one that could flip backwards and forwards. Senna, this was my first position picked. I'm just going with Isabel Kelly, mate. She is the top of... If she's not the top, she's in the top two or three of all the big stats. You know, runs, tackle breaks, offloads, tries. Like, she just does it all. She averaged mid-50s last year in fantasy for NRLW. That's a, you know, fantastic average in the centres and and would be up there with any NRL player, um, you know, in terms of trying to minimise that gap in scoring. Like, uh, uh, Isabel Kelly, for me, will almost, unless, you know, Alex Johnson goes out and scores three tries down that left 
soft edge, uh, I'd be real happy with Isabel Kelly just plonking her in there and having her there almost every week for the entire season. She is that good. Um, and, yeah, fullback mate, Tedesco, <laughs> playing against the Tigers, as you say. Do you need to say any more? I think that's about it. Yeah, it'd be really interesting to see how people construct their teams, won't it? Because I guess there's so many different ways you can do it with so many different players. And obviously, you get one from each that you can get double points out of. So even that selection will be interesting to see how people go about that. So I haven't really thought too much about it. I think Tedesco is probably going to get it for me against the Tigers. But I don't know. I was kind of leaning towards Keely Davis at Hooker. I just, I don't know. It's just her origin game, I was just blown away by how good she was out of nine. I thought she was incredible. So. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how people sort of sort of cut that up. Hey, do you have any thoughts on who you're going to boost for the first week in terms of the double points? Oh, I think um, I think for me, it's probably yeah, it's got to be Teddy or Nico Hines slash Munster, and then um, yeah, look, I think for the women's, I'm probably just going to go Isabel Kelly. I've I've spoke, you know, talked her up massively there. I think I'm just going to lock and load her and know that she's going to have a whale of a game and uh, double it up for me. So, yeah, look, if there's uh, once again, we'll we'll repeat mixer.nrl.com uh, go along, the link will be in the podcast notes or if you enter the lead code HFA67BGI, that'll get you in the Magic Sponge League uh, we'll hopefully have a prize for the winner at the end of the, at the end, you know, of our league which will be cool but there's heaps of cool prizes in the mixer as well as i understand it so uh yeah look i think that wraps up our uh bunny mixer picks for this week um and we'll you know we'll try and talk about that moving forward every week if we can uh especially you know now that we're covering the uh the women's the women's injuries as well which will be you know good to sort of give analysis on that kind of thing too uh, so, look, no interview tonight. Uh, there'll be no interview tonight, but we will have our special Sammy Bremner interview to coincide with the launch of the NRLW this week. That'll hopefully be coming out on Wednesday. Hour and 50 minutes of some of the coolest content I've ever put out, I think, on this podcast. Uh, you know, talking through her injuries, having, um, you know, fibulous stress fractures, repeated I think she's had six or seven fibula fractures over her career which is just like super rare she talks through concussions she talks about the growing professionalism in the NRLW and then uh, look we speak for about an hour about uh yeah how she got back to sport after after having two bubs uh and she had a c-section for one bub a vaginal birth for another so talking about you know the differences in those kind of things which yeah look i think it's a topic that hasn't really been covered because it probably hasn't you know really necessarily needed to be covered um but yeah look moving forward i think it's something that's going to be happening more and more often it's something that having some uh, you know a resource like this to listen to for, for any girls women out there who are looking to play that high level content tax sport it's going to be really really valuable so look out for that uh come wednesday uh james i know you'll uh, you'll really enjoy it as well and um yeah and then we'll talk about it next sunday night we can talk about our thoughts about it and uh and, and what we thought about the entire interview hey yeah really looking forward to it brian obviously sam bremner was an absolute gun and oh, i'm super interested to hear her take on how things went to getting back to elite sport because even just getting back to sport full stop after after birth and after kids, I think that's very interesting in itself. And I think it's a really good thing that you can get an insight from someone who's been there, done that with the real live experience. So that'll be good. And also, geez, I can't wait for my team to smoke you in the bunny mixer as well. 
Mate, <laughs> and I'll be watching that with interest, mate, big time interest. I tell you what, if if everyone everyone accuses me of uh, having inside information and holding it back, I can guarantee if I get any inside information over the next seven weeks, I'm not sharing it on this podcast with you, mate. It is staying yeah. locked and loaded. I'm going to use every, I'm going to milk every cow to get as much <laughs> info as I can to smoke in this because this is the most excited about a fantasy comp I've been in a while. Uh, like we love our draft, obviously. We both lost in our home league this week. I just checked before, which is a bit bit of a yeah. dagger to the heart. Uh, thankfully, I've got the uh, I've got the uh, you know I can lose and play next week. But uh, yeah, so we're we're both not looking good in that one. But I'm really really keen for this. Uh, really really keen for the mixer. So we'll see how it goes over the next seven weeks. I, I, I'm I'm gonna be pretty confident in saying that I'm if if it's not first, then it'll be second at worst for me. <laughs> Yeah, I think it's it's for the Magic Spun podcast. It's bloody exciting. I can't get around it enough. And I hope everyone else does as well. I've seen some pretty trash comments online about people being like, oh, what's this and blah, blah, blah. But in all seriousness, like this is something that's never been done before in any professional sporting league. And I think anything that brings more attention to the women's game is good because the more you watch it, the, the better the skill level gets. It's just, it's really watchable sport. I, I think people should just get behind it and get on with it, especially if you're a footy fan. You've got no reason not to. Seriously, get on it. Completely agree, mate. All right, guys, that's a wrap for this week. Look, if you like the pod, give us a review, recommend to a friend, download, subscribe, all that kind of stuff. I think, James, actually, I'm mentioning, we got another one-star review this week. Can you? Oh, mate, it's just a dagger to the heart. Another, apparently another, uh, another you know, member of an NRL uh, medical team must be <laughs> listening along and just appreciating everything that I'm saying, which is always lovely. Uh, you know, our, our comments about not wanting to work for NRL clubs this week will probably get us a few more ones. Yeah, get a few more. Maybe. Yeah. Uh, but well, yeah, it may, it may have been someone who didn't rate us from our undergraduate degrees as well, Brian. It could be that. <laughs> just going back to Waters. <laughs> <laughs> a couple of lecturers being like, oh, Matt, not that uh, big if you want one star. This yeah. guy again. But, uh, yeah, guys, look, uh, we really appreciate it. Give us a review. The one-star reviews, look, we can deal with those. We we know there's plenty of people out there who, who like the show and we, we get your feedback and it's great. But, yeah, the more you can do those things on the apps and different things, it gets us up the list, which is just fantastic. Uh, so, yeah, if you want more info like this, patreon.com slash physio, go along. But, yeah, look, join our Mixer League, Bunny Mixer, We'll take you on. We'll probably beat most of you because we're pretty confident in ourselves. We're throwing a lot of trash to talk tonight, but get involved, get into it. And, uh, yeah, James, I'll talk to you next week. Sounds good, Brian. Next Sunday, we'll catch up again. Suspected broken left fibula. Suffering syndesmosis. After that stem cell injury that he's come back from. That's about it, mate.